frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Film church. Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. She was still sleepwalking along the giddy heights of a lost career, playing crazy when it came to that one subject, her celluloid self. Hello, and welcome to Film Church Radio. This is the podcast that treats cinema as a religion. It's Sunday. I'm Brandon. I'm Lewis. And we're here to talk about movies. Each week, Lewis and I alternate picking a film for both of us to watch and discuss. And this is our last film of Noir Vember. And today I picked the 1950 film Sunset Boulevard, directed by Billy Wilder and starring Gloria Swanson, William Holden, Eric Von Stroheim, and Nancy Olson. Um, I have never seen this film before, or before we, you know, watched it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Lewis had it was it was hard finding a film that Lewis hadn't seen, a <laughs> film noir that Lewis hadn't seen, or any film of you know the olden days for that matter. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, we we did do a Billy Wilder um, discussion a few months back on The Apartment, and I really liked that film and uh, have been wanting to get more into Wilder. So today we're getting Wilder, and it's going to be a good discussion. <laughs> uh, of course, as always, stay tuned till the end of the episode if you want to hear what we're watching next week. Get ahead of the game watch along with us, and join the discussion. Um, if you want to join the discussion, you can jump over to our YouTube channel and leave us a comment on this podcast video. Um, you won't be able to see our faces there on this episode, but you can see our faces on some of the episodes, uh, particularly, the, particularly the ones where we have guests, which is always the first Sunday of every month. You can also find us on all other social media platforms um at film church radio and uh yeah we do stuff there of course now it's time for the trailers also known as uh other movies that lewis and i have watched this week other than our main feature discussion today so lewis what's going on what have you been watching First of all, happy Thanksgiving. We've just passed Thanksgiving, so <laughs> just want to throw that out there to the, the film church congregation. Um, and I'm yeah. very thankful. Go that... ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> I was going to say I'm very thankful that um, that there's so many great noir films out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great thing to be thankful for. I'm thankful for this podcast. I'm thankful for that too. I think that like I was worried about kind of jumping in and being like too like I love this podcast so much. So I was like, yeah. I'm just going to say noir films because <laughs> I just love them so much. <laughs> yeah, you can love multiple things. You can that's be right. thankful for multiple things. On yeah, Thanksgiving. yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm thankful for everything um, related to film. Um, so yeah, so this <laughs> so this past week. Um, I've been 
just watching more noir films. You know how it is. It's kind yeah. of it sucks me in, um, and I just can't get out of it. So I watched Brighton Rock from 1948, um, an English noir film um, that I've had on my list for quite a while, um, starring Richard Attenborough, who um, is the old guy in Jurassic Park. Um, yeah, but this is kind of one of his early kind of career making films. Um, he plays a gangster called Pinky, who is pretty young and takes over like um, a kind of gang in Brighton in England, um, and it's just a really interesting character st- like study. Um, his gang commits a murder and they're trying to cover it up, and the only way to do that is to like d- like um, woo the the one witness who's a who's a female, um, and it's always one of those things where I watch a film that wasn't made in America. And I'm just amazed at what they could say and get away with compared yeah. to like American films. You know, there's a few mm. points in there where I was like, oh, you can't say that. This yeah. is a this is a 40s movie, you know. <laughs> um But I I had a really good time with it. It's it's a lot of fun and the characters are not straightforward, you know, one-dimensional. They're very multi-layered and there's a lot going on to, with them. Um yeah. and it was a it was one of those films that because I've had it on my watch list for a a while it kind of it it did live up to the hype that I put on it, so I was really pleased to kind of knock that one off. Um, and then I watched one of my favorites. Um, Fritz Lang is a huge um, influence on like the films that I like and kind of the certain the periods of cinema that I'm really drawn to. Um, and I watched The Woman in the Window from 1944, starring Edward G. Robinson, um, who's also in Dublin Double Indemnity. Director Bar Wilder, um, he sees a portrait of a woman in the window and then meets that woman um, and ends up with having to dispose of a body. Um, it's, I mean, it's it's a really interesting, tight kind of thriller. Um, and, I, and I put it on our Twitter as one of my favorite noirs because it, it really is. But the ending now, I'm not going to give anything away, but the ending now does seem cliche but I think at the time it was a bit of a revelation. It wasn't, mm. you know, something that everybody had seen. I'm trying not to give it away, but um, yeah, and I think it works. I mean, it doesn't take anything away from me. I'm, if anything, the ending is like, oh, thank goodness, you know. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's a. I think it's only like 90 minutes. It's really tight and fun, and just a, a good example of what fit, uh, Lang could do with you know a smaller budget and some some A list talent. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend anyone checking it out if you've still got time in November or outside yeah. November, you know, whenever. Um, and then I, I'm reading, again, one of my favorite biographies of a Hollywood star ever written, um, Lee Sterver's book on Robert Mitchum called Baby I Don't Care. Um, Robert Mitchum is just the coolest man that has ever walked the earth. And his story is so interesting. At like 15 years old, he, he left home and became like a hobo and just like traveled on like boxcars and around the world, you know, around the U S on his own. (laughs) And there's just so much to him. Like he's just so nonchalant. So I watched out of the past from 1947, his big noir film also starring Kirk Douglas before he was famous nice um, in a big meaty part as well. Um, and the plot is so convoluted, like so much happens in this, and like you've got to really pay attention to where it's going because it's in the past, and then it's in the 
present and then the characters in a different country and then the backing you know it's just like so much happens yeah um but it's it's such a fun ride you know mm-hmm. and uh robert mitchum is just the epitome of cool to me i just yeah. love him um love him so much that's awesome so yeah they were the they were the three that i watched this week and we've still got a few days left um so i'm still going to try and fit in um the two biggies for me double indemnity and the big heat nice um, they're two of my favorite all-time noirs so gonna yeah. fit those in before the end of the month but yeah that's the that's the ones i've been watching what have you been watching Brandon? well as i said uh i'm thankful for film church and i always say that when i haven't watched any other films yeah. <laughs> this week other than the film that we're talking about today which is what happened this week um but i did watch uh sunset boulevard twice so yes you know we'll have a lot to talk about but um yeah i as far as tv goes i have still been watching the good place on netflix with sarah that's been kind of our um show that we've been watching lately we're on season i think we just started season three uh it's got ted danson in it and Kristen yeah. beale or bell and um yeah it's been really good it's been interesting it's like one of those shows where you watch the first episode and you're like, how are there four seasons of this? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so kind of like simple plot wise and like like you get it and everything, but it's like how like this can't drag out for four seasons. Like how can they do that? And And even, you know, by the time you get to the end of season one and you get to season two, it's like, well, that was everything you could do, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's been really interesting to see where they go with it and how how good the show continues to be and stay and stuff um throughout the seasons um yeah so it, it's been great um and then we also watched there's only one season of it uh over the garden wall on it's on hulu mm-hmm. um and it has Elijah Wood and Melanie Linsky in it, and Christopher Lloyd. Mm. Um, it's a it's like a cartoon, um, kind of like fantasy, like I don't know. It's like this kind of like it's hard to describe. It's like fantasy, psychedelic, dark cartoon. <laughs> um, mm. and this was something that my sister had suggested because someone suggested it to her um, one of her friends that I guess watches this every um, October during yeah. horror season um, and it was great it was it was a really good show I, I think the episodes were only like 11 minutes long and there's like mm. 10 of them so mm. it's basically the length of a movie yeah Um, but it was yeah it was a lot of fun, really great. Uh, That's awesome. I feel like as soon as you said it, I could like picture some of the characters, I guess, but I've never seen, I think Mondo maybe did a few like pins or like the soundtrack for it on vinyl maybe. Mm, and that's okay. where I've seen it. But yeah, I, I've heard of it. I've just never, I didn't, I didn't even know it was a mini series. Yeah. Yeah. It's just one little 10 episode mini series. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like I said, the episodes are short enough that you know you could throw one on and and uh, you know not take up too much time. But we of course just binged the whole thing because it was basically yeah. like watching a movie. So yeah, um, 
and Elijah Wood is amazing. And I also like Melanie Melanie Linsky a lot. She's in um, Heavenly Creatures, and she's in another film with Elijah Wood. I think it's what is the name of that movie? I think it's called I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those long Netflix titles. <laughs> uh, but I remember really liking it. Yeah. I feel like she's really good in a lot of stuff. You know, she always pops up. It's more like a character actress, I guess. It's more kind of like a supporting role. Mm-hmm. But every time she's in it, I'm like, oh, cool. I like her, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so it's definitely like, it's a good, you know, little show to put on if you're um, looking for something short and fun. Yeah. And um, it's a little spooky, but it's not like um adult you know what i mean yeah. like you could watch this with kids yeah you know um mm. so for the most part i don't know you might yeah. want to <laughs> yeah. just check it out yourself before you <laughs> yeah. just take my word for it but yeah. i mean depends on how easily your child is scared of things um yeah she's uh yeah she's not that <laughs> scared of things i mean her favorite game is to is to hide under blankets and it's like a like a weird home invasion game. I don't know. She's, it's this is probably too much, but yeah, she likes to hide under blankets and and whisper they're coming. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, that's fun. I mean, yeah, she might like it. Yeah, let's see where they go. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is that is it for me. Cool. I've also been watching the first few episodes of Andor. Oh yeah, I I have I we haven't talked about this, but I did no. start it as well. Um, cool. I how how far into it are you? I am. Is four episodes or five episodes? I want to say I've watched four. Okay. Yeah. So they're like planning this heist. Yes. Where you're at. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I I have watched. 10 episodes wow and yeah. and when i started it i was like oh there's only 10 episodes or, or not there's only 10 episodes i was like oh there there's 10 episodes <laughs> as in more than i thought there would be yeah mm-hmm. um because usually these disney shows are like yeah here's season one it's six episodes or yeah. eight episodes you know to, so to see 10 i was like okay cool and then i got to episode 10 and i was like so there's going to be a season two, right? And then I looked it up and it's like, yeah, there's going to be a season two and there's still two more episodes coming. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually a 12 season, wow. 12 episode season. Hmm. Um, and there's going to be two seasons. So I was like, well, that makes more sense. Cause I mean, it, it's been great so far, but that was a weird, you know, yeah, unsatisfying ending to the season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking forward to seeing the last two episodes. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really like it so far. It, it's one of those shows that's like it, every episode is so different, yeah, um, but still very engaging. You know, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's it's one of those where it's quite refreshing to just get away from like like name drops from people we know. Uh huh. You know, yeah. I said, to, you know, I said to Chelsea, I still think that we should get away from the the skywalker era 
and just move away yeah. so that it's all new characters. But, yeah. you know, I know what they're doing. They're just building that fan base, building, you know, mm. reliable content, I guess, before they start pushing the boat out, hopefully. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's been great. Um, yeah. Cool. Just thought I'd drop that in there. Hopefully, <laughs> we can finish it pretty soon and we can, you know, get, talk a little bit about it on the show. But Yeah. Sorry, I keep forgetting that I am hosting today. And if you're wondering why, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> Impulsive. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this does feel like a very Lewis pick. That's probably it. You're like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I I'm, didn't I'm, pick this story. I, I mean, and you've seen this film, I'm guessing, more than a few times. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm excited to hear what you think about it. And uh, and with that, it's time for our feature presentation, everyone. Sunset Boulevard, 1950. A Hollywood story. A hack screenwriter writes a screenplay for a former silent film star who has faded into Hollywood obscurity. It was great! (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah, like, it was good. (laughs) Yeah. As I expected, um, I I didn't really know what to expect going into this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the poster looked cool and stuff, um, and we're gonna get into spoilers right away, just so yeah. you know, listener. Um, so if you hear about that, now you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was in college, like my first semester of like community college. Um, my graphic design professor, um, had, he actually had a degree in film. That was his background. Mm. And I, so we would talk about film a lot. And I remember him mentioning, uh, just in a conversation, he, and maybe he said the name of the movie, but I, I had forgotten, but I remembered this detail that there was, there's a, a famous movie where, there's a narrator who by the end of the film you realize he's been dead this whole time and you're like well, yeah. how is he narrating yeah you know so when the film started and the guys in the pool you know and he this guy's narrating and then it and then it cuts from there to him saying well let me go back to where it all started i'm a you know writer and i yeah. can't sell my scripts you know i was like i wonder if this is that movie and I think it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Based on, you know, the whole story and, and where it went and stuff. Um but you know, obviously Gloria Swanson's performance is kind of what this movie is all about. Um and her story and like, you know, the fading Hollywood of the silent era, you know, yeah. which you can you know, you can draw parallels between you know, any changing era in, uh, in Hollywood or, you know, um, not even just Hollywood, but, you know, life in general and generations and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of this movie is still kind of processing in my head, but, Mm. uh, you know, I think, but I think that's a good thing, obviously it's like, you know, 
Gloria Swanson, her her acting and her performance is awesome, but I'm also kind of torn because everybody else in this film is also so great. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you know, the guy that's been narrating this whole film is he's kind of the character that you latch onto mostly, Yeah. you know? So then by the end of the film, you're like left wanting more. Mm. Um, you know, cause we don't find out what happens to, to Betty, you know, I mean, yeah. you can assume, but you know, yeah. but I think that's for the better. It's like, you know, it's, it's probably a good thing that you're left wanting, wanting more. Cause then, yeah. you, then you just go back and watch and watch <laughs> and watch, you know? Yeah. Um, so when did you first see this film and how many, you know, is this like one of your favorite films ever? Um, and like how many times have you seen it? I assume you own it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I w well, the first thing about owning it, I do own it. The trouble is, well, I feel like there should be a better DVD, like Blu-ray version than there is. You yeah. know, this, it should be in one of like, it should be in credit. It should be in somewhere that mm -hmm. has a really nice edition, which it isn't. Unfortunately, there, there are like Blu-rays and stuff. Um, I first watched this in my first year at university. I can remember sitting in my dorm room, watching it on my laptop. Like at my desk <clears throat> and just being like, holy smokes, this is amazing. You yeah. Know, it's, it's just incredible. Um, probably around the same time, I know that last week we talked about me watching The Third Man and not really liking it. It was probably around the same time that I watched this. Um, and the poster, the because I bought the DVD, um, so it had the poster in it and it was like just a small like A4 poster. Um, but I had that on my wall, like every, all the every year at university, you know, it was something yeah. that I kept up. Um, I've seen this film a lot of times. Um, and I think like, you knowing me and my love of like silent film and classic film, it just, it just marries everything so well together, you know? And, yeah. the, and there's so many nods in there to, you know, an era that's already passed in 1950 and has become obsolete. Um, but there's so many people in there. Like, there's so many references and, like, all the actors' names that they drop are real people, you know? Yeah. And, like, it's just a film that's really knowing and is and is constantly nodding at the audience. Yeah. Um, and for people like me, I just get a kick out of it. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah, that but, makes a lot of sense. It's kind of the perfect film for people that love the silent era and just Hollywood and film in general. Yeah. Um, you know, cause there's all this behind the scenes stuff within the story. Yeah. Um, and people who love film noir, you know, it's like this well crafted, like, you know, you've got your, your main kind of slick guy that, you know, it, and this narration over the whole thing, you know, yeah. um, you know, it's got the tone and, and the and everything that you love about a film noir. So it's kind of the perfect film for you. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> you is. Know? Yeah. Um Yeah, it was it was great. So so tell me, um or tell us, the listeners, what um like what all the, the references are yeah. you know, for people that might not know uh 
some of the name drops and some of the cameos and stuff like that. What, uh, who's in this and what, what is their significance? Yeah. Well, let's start. I mean, let's start with Gloria Swanson. Um, so Gloria Swanson obviously was a huge silent film actress. Um, Mm -hmm. the, the film that they show within this film that she like screams for Joe, um, is actually one of her films. Um, I think Queen Christina, um, which was directed by Eric von Stroheim, and she got him fired uh-huh. from the set because he was. I mean, von Stroheim was very famous for kind of going over budget and like making ridiculously long films. I think the film Greed, I think the first cut of that was like six hours long. And this was in like the early 20s. Um, he was very famous for kind of just for shooting exactly like because it's based on a book greed he shot pretty much every single page um okay. to make it as realistic as possible yeah um so glorious Swanson got him fired from that because um the budget was ballooning ballooning and she wanted um he was kind of presenting her as a um as a um woman of the night I guess, and she didn't want to do that anymore. She'd kind of made her name playing those characters. She wanted to break away. Um, So she got him fired, and they never really talked about it again. Um, But the fact is that film that he's projecting for her to show this guy is just mind-blowing to me. I think that's so interesting. Yeah, Yeah, that's crazy. I had no (laughs) idea that... I mean, obviously he has this line, uh, Eric von Stroheim, in the film where he's... he's, He says... uh, that he was like her first husband yeah and he used to be a director and that you know he's like he like says there was dw griffith and someone else can't remember and then his character um but yeah i had no idea that he was actually a director that like had directed uh, yeah gloria swanson that makes it even more meta they're doing meta before it's like popular like that's the whole thing right now. And I always think about that. I'm just like, what is Wilder saying about the role of a director? If people have forgotten about Norma Desmond, but Max is like not even recognized on the lot anymore. He's not even like on the radar. Yeah. He said that he had like the whole row above hers in the bungalow. So he must have been, you know, must have been a pretty popular director. And he's just like he doesn't. Nobody cares that he's a butler anymore. Yeah, you know. So I always find that really that dynamic really interesting. Yeah, but also it's like, but also the other her other director, uh, Cecil B. DeMille, is mm. still working and making film, films. You know, yeah, still making films. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah crazy. Because um, they work together as well. So Gloria Swanson and Cecil B. DeMille work together. Um, Quite a few times, and uh, I think he calls he calls her in the film. I can't remember what the nickname is, but he calls her like his real nickname for her in the film. So there's all mm. these kind of like little things in there. Um, and then, did you notice the waxworks? The the three people that are sitting around playing, um, is it bridge? I think. Yes. Well, uh, the, I mean, I figured all of them were were famous. Uh, yeah. cameos, but the one that I noticed right off the bat was Buster Keaton. I was like, oh yeah. shit, it's Buster. <laughs> yeah. There he is. Yeah. And yeah, that's that the one really that cool. I kind of gravitated towards for the most, you yeah. know. Um, 
The other, the woman is um, Anna Q. Nielsen, who I'm not that familiar with. I haven't seen much of her work, but the other guy um, is H.B. Warner, who is who was who did a lot of like silent film. He was like a leading man, and then when sound came, because he was getting on, he kind of progressed. You know, regressed. I should say back to like supporting roles. And he's the the chemist, the druggist in It's a Wonderful Life, Mr. Gower. Oh, nice. So, yeah, that, he That's always cool. pops up and I'm like, it's Mr. Gower, you know. Um, but yeah, so all of those were leading silent film um, stars. Yeah. They listers at one point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes it so much more interesting. I mean, this is like a... I feel like such a rare film. Yeah. To kind of be, you know, be about this subject matter, but then the people that are in it lived it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it wasn't a million miles away. I mean, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Buster and his, uh, and his career, but in the end he was like an alcoholic living in a, not in the end of his life, but in the end of his career, is you know an alcoholic living in a trailer outside of the studio, yeah. you know, and just kind of forgotten about. Um, yeah. And I think that the 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 one thing with the film is I think that it tends to have people think about. It's a bit like singing in the rain, you know. You think about that transition to sound, and it's like, well, if you if you had a terrible voice, you didn't make the transition, and this is kind of like, if you were a silent star, people forgot about you. You know, and it's not necessarily true. Um, I mean, it did happen, obviously, to quite a few people. But I mean, Gloria Swanson, for example, she was like, "Okay, I'm done. I'm going to go to New York and be on the stage and have my own beauty line. And, you know, she was still pretty famous at this point. Yeah, she wasn't like forgotten about at all. So, right. um, Yeah. But her performance is so strong mm -hmm. and so good that it's hard to separate the character from her. Yeah. For you sure. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially if you don't know anything about her or the history. I mean, like people, you know, there's plenty of people still alive today that might, you know, remember her and well, not from the, you know, the silent yeah. era necessarily, but, you know, remember this film and stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, as far as I go, like I didn't know much. Yeah, or really anything about any of the people in this film except for like Buster Keaton and you know some of the name drops and stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that makes it really, uh, it makes it all the more better. You know, it's like yeah, you know, it just it kind of makes you think too, just as a filmmaker, like that uh, that everything's been done already (laughs) you know like i was saying like the doing this whole like meta thing is like what everyone is trying to do right now i think you know um but but it's done perfectly here already you know yeah it's like you know it's you know also like when we watched brain dead it was like why would you ever consider making a zombie movie after that. It's like the zombie movie to end all zombie movies. (laughs) And this is like the Hollywood movie to end all Hollywood movies. Yeah. You know, but um, obviously that's not true. You know, there's still plenty of uh, places to go and stuff. And, and, you know, people are inspired by, um, you know, they might take something from one film and be inspired to make branch off and make a whole nother thing out of it. Um, Yeah. But, um, but I mean, as far as like aging 
actors, you know, or just aging entertainers or directors or whatever. Um, you know, people or celebrity, I guess, just in general, whether it be acting or TikToking or, you know, whatever it is <laughs> someone might do. Um, sometimes they have like these big moments and then they're just always chasing that again. Yeah. And it's it's sometimes hard like sometimes those moments are just lightning in a bottle and you can't Yeah. You can hope, you know, mm. to hit that again, but you know, you, you kind of just have to be content with um working, you know, yeah. and creating and, you know, sometimes things hit in a big way and sometimes mm. they don't. But I mean there's it seems like there's there's so many actors that do kind of fade out, you know. Yeah. At least from like the the spotlight, anyway. Yeah. Um. You know. Uh. It's uh, It's always interesting to think about that the some of the young people and and famous actors coming up today and being like, I wonder how many of these people are still going to be like the A list grabs. Yeah. You know. In twenty and, years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or even ten. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, because there's so many people that in like in the 90s and the 2000s that were just, you know, in everything, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that, that you just don't see anymore. Um, yeah. And it's not that they're not working. It's just that, you know, the things that they're yeah. doing aren't like hitting or whatever. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's also I mean, it's it's also just a weird time, you know, in today's movie world where the people that were A-list actors are making Netflix films and not going to theaters and uh, and that's also weird because that's I don't know it's like hard to tell what's what yeah know? I, I yeah, don't know there's if no we're... like route to stardom anymore or yeah path that you should take if you're a Hollywood star you know it's mm-hmm. everybody is doing kind of their own thing now and what they yeah. want to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. It's like, you almost have to do like so much extra work as a celebrity to stay in the spotlight beyond yeah. being in a big film. You have to like have some, you know, brand or like social media presence. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, just the progression of, like, Gloria Swanson's performance. I mean, <laughs> it it just gets, <laughs> it just gets so crazy over time. But, yeah. like, you know, it starts off, like, he kind of lays it out in the beginning um, when he first gets to the house and he's, like, <laughs> describing the house as, like, yeah the mansion and great expectations and, you know, the crazy woman inside and, uh, and that first shot of her just in the window with her sunglasses, you know, her round sunglasses just like kind of tells you everything you need to know and where it's Mm. going. And then, uh, you know, I like the creepiness of it and that, that whole first scene, um, when he goes inside and, and, uh, Eric von Stroheim is like, if you need help with the coffin, yeah. 
<laughs> let me know. And you're like, yeah. what? <laughs> and then he goes upstairs and, um, you know, meets uh, Norma Desmond for the first time. And she's there with the, the body of a chimp of a chimp yeah yeah. and it's just like that was also very like disturbing and creepy Mm. and just there to be disturbing and creepy like that the the chimp never comes back up no like after like there's a you you know you see uh, a little scene where they're like he uh he's looking out the window and he sees them burying um the chimp (laughs) but you know after that it's like it's never brought up again yeah and I'm just like, who was this chimp? Like, <laughs> was that her third husband? <laughs> Dude, there's there's actually like theories online that, you know, yeah, that that I was mean, her third husband. I, I mean, yeah, but that I think that's just rubbish. <laughs> yeah. Personally, you know, she was I, like, write me a story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The monkey scene is, and it's very. It is very kind of unsettling from the start, um, but it does have one of my favorite Billy Wilder stories. So when they when they're bar- burying the monkey in the back garden or the front garden, um, the cameraman was like, "I'm not sure like how to light this or like how to stage it. Like, what would you suggest?" And Wilder was just like, "It's just your average monkey funeral. Just shoot <laughs> it like that." <laughs> <laughs> Which is the most unhelpful, like, (laughs) direction ever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's one of those things that's, like, so weird in itself that, like, I don't think you could really go wrong with lighting it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it does, like, you know, on reflection of the film, bring up all of these questions because it's, like, you can imagine that she had a very close relationship with this chimp and yeah all the all the scenes where she's like watching her own movies and like putting on balls and and dancing with with joe yeah you can imagine that she did all of those things with the chimp yeah i mean yeah she yeah i mean she's dressing up as charlie chaplin for the chimp and she's Mm -hmm. you know having him like hold her hand while she's writing salome you know like he probably has been there for i mean i don't know how long chimps live but quite a while i'm sure yeah like knocking around this house with her yeah because i i think it's i don't think she goes out a lot because the car's like under tarp and stuff when they first get there so i don't think she ventures out very much and Mm -hmm. you know her only company is max and a chimp so yeah this yeah. is honestly one of those movies where I could see Netflix or somebody somebody easily snatching up the rights to it and making mm. a a prequel series about her yeah her three husbands yeah <laughs> just <laughs> the house slowly fall into bits and yeah you know, exactly yeah. yeah her getting crazier and crazier yeah I think the more I watch it the more like the more sad it makes me. Mm. for her you know there's because she's definitely framed as like the crazy you know and she's kind of unstable and stuff but i think joe is as bad he he lets this happen i mean there's no doubt in my mind that there's like sexual relations between the two of them oh throughout yeah. the whole yeah. movie mm-hmm. you know he's just using her for this for the money and the you know and the 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 roof i guess yeah 
Um, and and then there's the scene where she where she goes to the film studio, and like, and it's so. I think it's just one of the most beautifully done scenes because everybody recognizes her. You know, when the spotlight's yeah. on her, they're all they all know who she is. Yeah, she gets her moment. Yeah, and it's like it's not because you know, and she's always talking about the fans, and Max is like, oh, I write the. Uh, you know the, fan the postmarks letters. are yeah from me kind of thing but she hasn't been forgotten and i think that's such a nice touch is that she's just not front and center and that's the problem you know when people yeah. step out of the spotlight people move on and they have new yeah. people that they can gravitate towards and that's the sad nature of the film industry yeah well i mean she's clearly like not well <laughs> mm-hmm. you know like her mental health has gone in great decline yeah and, I mean and yeah it is cool that she's like she you know she does get her moment when she goes to the studio and people recognize her and stuff and treat her well um and simultaneously not well um but you know it's like what um what would have happened maybe if if somebody had really cared about her and tried to help her out early on. Yeah. You yeah. know, but also it's like it, you know, in that moment, uh, you, you, you also get your answer for why nobody helped her out because in that moment of, um, <laughs> of the director being nice to her and stuff and trying to beat around the bush of like, we're not going to make your terrible script. Yeah. You know, he's, he's trying to be super nice. She's like, and remember, I don't work before 10.30 in the morning and past 4 o'clock in the evening. You know, she yeah. just turns on yeah. this total, like, um, angry command. Yeah. And you're like, I don't want to work with you. And you, you get know? the impression that part of this is, like, self-inflicted, that as soon as, you know, the talkies, quote-unquote, kept coming in, um, she probably took less and less because, you know, she says herself that, you know, the silence would, like, the it was art you know and then yeah. everyone started talking um so I, I read into that that she's like she chose to step away and kind of yeah. waited for hollywood to come banging back on the door like we need you you know it's yeah. you were right and this dialogue just, sucks help <laughs> yeah and it's just not you know it just hasn't happened for yeah for many reasons um but yeah, I mean, to her credit, though, when she does think the film's getting made, I mean, the beauty regimen she goes through and the um, the discipline for her to be like, I've got to get back into top shape for this. You know, it shows mm-hmm. a lot about the professional that she is. You know, she may have yeah. stipulations, but there's no doubt that she would have shown up on set every day. Yeah. And yeah. And gave a great performance. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. She's, I mean, Norma Desmond is one of the most interesting and, I don't know, just layered characters. You know, we were talking about Quinlan from Touch of Evil last week. Mm-hmm. For me, this is on the same level. You know, I just, yeah. she, she's not on screen enough and she's in it for 95% of this film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's an incredible performance. Yeah, it's, it's an incredible, like, nuanced performance as well because it seems yeah. like, I mean... <laughs> in every shot like whether she's got dialogue or not she is like uh just has this incredible screen presence 
you yeah. know, like just her eyes and her expressions yeah. and everything that she's doing. But I mean, as we know, she's from that silent film era where that's what you did, you know, that's exactly what, that's yeah. her training. That's what I was going to say. I don't know if that's, I mean, I assume it's Wilder's direction because, um, as we know, he, when it's written on the page, he didn't let anyone change a word or even like <laughs> the way the oh. words were formed. It was like, I've written them this way for a reason. You're going to say it that way. So I assume that it's kind of his direction, but yeah, the fact that she is all eyes and like hands and, you know, she like bears her teeth a lot. It is such a emotive silent film performance. Yeah. Even when she's talking, you know, where Joe Gillis is very mumble and doesn't really show that much emotion throughout the set, throughout the film. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, according to Gloria Swanson's daughter, Michelle Amon, mm. um, her mother stayed in character throughout the entire shoot, even speaking like Norma Desmond when she arrived home in the evening after <laughs> filming. On the last day of shooting, Swanson drove back to the house she, her mother, and daughter shared during the production, announcing there were only three of us in, in it now, meaning that Norma Desmond had taken her leave. Yeah. So That's she incredible. went full method apparently yeah. on yeah. this film. Um which was had to have been creepy on set. <laughs> but but maybe fun, you know, probably fun yeah. mostly. From what I've from what I've read from what you know her she herself has said that the the making of this film was the best time she's ever had. That yeah. everybody would just pulling in the right direction they kind of knew what they wanted to make and it ended up being exactly that um and she said that when she did the chaplain um you know when she pretended to be chaplain for joe and was like doing the whole thing the next day when she came on to set everybody was wearing little bowler hats including the the stuffed monkey that they used <laughs> and she just was like it was the biggest compliment because you could tell that they just like they had loved it yeah you know so I'm so happy that like I don't know the set was a nice environment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was just such a good experience to come back and do a film like this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because it could. I mean, yeah, it could easily have been terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it it seems like it would have been like just just based on like I don't know everything we as film lovers hear about Hollywood and film productions yeah. and stuff, this feels like it would have been a set that would have um, been very tense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, or something, but yeah, yeah, it's great to hear that. I mean, the, the original film that like Wilder and um, his co-writer bracket kind of put originally started writing was supposed to be a comedy. It was supposed to mm-hmm. be about a silent film actress that was just trying to get back into the talkies. You know, that was kind of what they were going for. Um, and then it slowly developed over time to be like, we need a little, you know, we can't make this relationship between a scriptwriter and an older actress work for comedy. It needs to be a little bit of a darker feel. Yeah. Because um, originally it was uh, Mae West that was supposed to be the Norma Desmond character, which Mae West is a very famous um sultry actress she was famous for being very sexual towards people mm. um 
and did a lot of kind of like rom like comedies kind of you know pre-code yeah um, stuff um which would have been a completely different film but they the names that i heard for joe gillis before it actually went to william holden um the first was Mon- montgomery clift who um would have been incredible as joe yeah. gillis i think um just just the most you know, it would have worked so well between them because he's got that real face of kind of anxiety, <laughs> to uh, put it nice. Yeah. Um, and he was like signed on to do it. And then um, he kind of dropped out and was like, I don't think anyone would think it was believable if I was dating an older woman, um, which was seemed like a bizarre reason to drop out anyway. But then, you know, now that we know that he was having an affair with an older woman and she told him not to do the part because she didn't want people to find out about him. Yeah. So he dropped out. Um and he Billy Wilder went looking for somebody else and I have heard rumors that Marlon Brando was attached at some point but I don't know if it's too early for Brando. I I think that's just wishful thinking. Yeah, um, maybe. I I feel like I feel like it, it just wouldn't have worked because um although the character is great, Marlon Brando is also a scene stealer. Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, and then that nobody. and then that set might have been <laughs> would have been tense mm. and crazy. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, especially because you know Brando is known for not uh, s- saying word for word the way the script is written. Mm. You know, oh he goes yeah, he goes off and he off. yeah, exactly. Like yeah, I mean, they never work together. I'm sure, right? No, I don't no, think so. Didn't. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think that the way that we're going, if those two, I mean, if Brando especially is true, um, for me is the one flaw. Because Joe Gillis is just too old. I think that if Joe Gillis Mm. had been 25, just come to Hollywood, just trying to make it, you know, that little tweak, I think that that would have added an extra layer to that relationship. But when you see them dancing, they just look like, the same age you know it's yeah. the it's the joe gillis betty schaefer relationship that's the troublesome one yeah because he does look just so much older and i know that that's hollywood standards of the 50s you know yeah but yeah i wish that maybe they'd cast someone who is a little bit younger yeah yeah it would have made a little more sense or i, I see what you're saying because it would have made yeah. a little more sense and also made it a little more tense yeah. You know, because, I mean, the whole time they're kind of being like, you know, Norma is so old, but she's not really that old. Did you did you catch and, how old she was at the end? Um, well, there there is that line where he's like, there's nothing wrong with being 50 unless you're trying to be 25. Yeah. You know, so I'm guessing she was like 50. Yeah, <laughs> she's just, she is just 50 years old. Yeah. But she's treated like she's decrepit. An old, old lady. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is also just, you know, I don't know. We were talking about like last week or a couple of weeks ago about the film X and Barbarian, mm. where, you know, the horror movie yeah. trope right now is that, ooh, old people are gross. You know, yeah. Which is just yeah. like, you know, it, it's just something we need to get away from, I think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> As too. a society, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's like, here's an old person, horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> thankfully they never go that route with this one they never turn norma into a uh 
into a well yeah into, yeah it's just like but, yeah yeah um but i do appreciate that line you know where he's like there's nothing wrong with being 50 unless you're trying to be 25 like i think that yeah that that's such a perfect like summary yeah it is that i'm it like is. at least they were thinking in that direction you know yeah exactly like, exactly yeah. yeah um i mean i just want to say that the I know that it's supposed to be like Joe Gillis is supposed to be, feel trapped. This sounds like my idea of heaven uh, <laughs> to be in an old Hollywood mansion, watching silent films projected, you know, with someone buying me clothes all the time. And yeah, getting, I'm getting like, paid I'm to write no matter if it's terrible or not. Yeah, like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just imagine like having like stacks of the worst screenplay ever and being like, I'm being paid to literally just make this not as terrible as it is now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's incre- <laughs> it's a golden position, you know. Yeah, I don't know what he's complaining about. I would have been like, "Yep, yeah, put down the suitcase, Max. I'll carry it myself." Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's not. Uh, yeah, I mean, he complains a lot during the movie, yeah. but I'm. I mean, he's, you know. Yeah, he's doing it. it. I, I yeah, love the it's like a critical scene of him going when they're going to get him fitted for everything, and that like smarmy salesman comes over and he's like, "Here's two coats and the here's the camel hair, but this one is a little bit more expensive, but feels better." And he's like, "I'll oh, just the camel hair," and he's like, "Just get the just get the other one. The woman's paying." And it, yeah, the, and Joe Gillis is so offended, and I'm like, "But she is. He's got a point, you know. Yeah, she exactly. Would, she'd buy yeah. it." I I can see where like a younger like a younger character that's like a little more like doesn't uh doesn't really know how to like take ownership. Yeah. You know, or yeah. um stick up for himself or something. Has not you necessarily know? started it for the money. I think if you got like a young screenwriter that was like, I'm gonna work with this like this big name and she wants me to write a script and then slowly descends into like, wait a minute, I'm being, you know, held captive as opposed to, oh yeah, you know, she's going to pay me $500 a week to write nothing. And then I'm going to get offended when she buys me things. Yeah. You know, but I mean, this is, this is just messing with perfection. Who knows? Um, Cause they could have cast someone that would have been absolutely terrible. And we've been like, that Joe Gillis, and they should have cast a better actor. Because <laughs> yeah. William Holden is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just to just to heighten that side of it. But I guess when I first watched it, I did think that she was a lot older than him. You know, it's just now that I'm over thirty. Yeah, you're <laughs> and like... probably the same age as William Holden. I'm like twenty isn't that much difference, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and also she doesn't look like a, you know, an old woman. No. You know. She doesn't. Yeah. But um but I do think that this film has to be one of the films that Richard Linklater was taking inspiration from while making Bernie. Oh yeah. Which is one of my favorite films and we've yeah. we've done a film church radio episode on. And you know, it's not only just the subject matter of like, you know, a younger guy living with an older woman who's like, you know, paying for everything and telling him what to do and stuff. But there's like a line in this film where 
they're sitting in the car and it's it's with the narration but he's like you know he's like she's been teaching me to tango and she's been teaching me what type of wine to have with what type of fish yeah and there's yeah. a line in bernie where <laughs> they're in the courtroom and matthew mcconaughey is like questioning uh jack black who's playing bernie and he's like you enjoy the finer things in life right it's like <laughs> you you know like what type of fish to have with what type of wine yeah and Jack Black is like, I, I don't know, white? And he's like, <laughs> you do know. <laughs> but it's like, it feels like it, that's like pulled straight out of this movie, you know? Yeah. Oh, I'm um, sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and that movie is Shirley MacLaine, who was also in yeah. the apartment in a Billy mm-hmm. Wilder film. So, you know, interesting yeah. connections. I mean- I don't feel like it's that far of a stretch. No. I'll, I'll ask Link later. Yeah, one please day. do. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that you're right because, you know, like you said, there's too many thematical similarities between those two films Yeah, for him not to have had this in his mind. Yeah. You know, and Link is such a fan of cinema as a whole that, you know, this has got to be in his lexicon somewhere. He's got to have pulled from it at some point. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the whole film, the the saddest part of this is that the film idea came about. Um, Billy Wilder went to a went to like a cocktail party, like a really fancy one. Um, and there was like a an older guy in the back that was incredibly drunk and like making an ass of himself and everyone was like, Oh, just don't look at him, he'll he'll go away. And Wilder was like, like, who is that? Why is he here? And they're like, It's just DW Griffith, he's like this all the time. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> and he and Griffith died like three months later than that. After that, I should say, um, and like hardly anybody was at his funeral. And yeah, it just got wild to thinking, just like how quickly this town forgets who made it. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Hollywood, we know, wouldn't be the same without D.W. Griffith as much as. We try to ignore that, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing, though, dude. It's like you know, they forget, but maybe not really. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's it's a yeah. lot of it is is politics, and sometimes, and maybe most of the time, for the right reason. Because you think about like, you know, I mean, I I don't know enough about D.W. Griffith, the person, to really make a judgment on him. All I know is that he made uh, uh, Birth of a Nation. Yeah, Birth of a Nation. You know, like a terribly racist movie, you know, so Mm -hmm. you can just you can draw assumptions that he's you know, a terribly racist person, you know, so it's like you know, most people maybe didn't forget they just remembered yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same thing with like uh, Harvey Weinstein. Like mm-hmm. nobody's forgotten about Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Just but, don't talk about him. Yeah. It's like yeah. why yeah, like nobody's going to promote him either. Yeah. But he's not I mean, making I think, a comeback like <laughs> Yeah, with Griffith, I mean, not only was Birth of a Nation insanely popular, but he had such a career after it. I mean, in Intolerance is massive, you know. It's, it, I think it's on the AFI top one hundred list. You know, it, like there's more to his career, and he, there's so many things in cinema that he pioneered. 
and like yeah. you know shots especially and like the way the camera moved that that were you can trace back to like some of his early films um and for wilder who is very much you know i mean he's a director that that uses a lot of techniques you know his his camera yeah. is always moving or doing something different um i'm sure yeah i'm sure that that story like or that experience just hit home yeah um yeah it's uh yeah it's a very interesting film to make when you are the top dog in hollywood yeah <laughs> yeah know, for it, sure it it seems more like a a bitter pill than it does a yeah. you know a love letter um cuz he had just come out i mean double indemnity was what 6 years before this lost weekend which won an oscar i can't remember what for you know that he had gradually like he had like had hit after hit after hit before this yeah and then to come out i mean i know that like at the screening in hollywood like so many of the especially producers were like this is garbage like you're ruining <laughs> you're ruining what we're doing yeah and he was like i don't care <laughs> yeah this is how it is i mean probably a good time in his career to do it too to yeah. do to do yeah. something that you're really passionate about and it's like paying respects to uh you know your yeah. your cinema your cinema gods of the time and yeah. and stuff but i mean this film was nominated for a ton of Oscars. It only yeah. won for, well, I mean, only. I mean, it won yeah. three uh, for best uh, screenplay, uh, best art direction, best music. But it was also nominated, I mean, all three, I mean, all four of the main actors are nominated Yeah. Uh, for leading and supporting roles. And then... Best director, best cinematography, best film editing, and best picture. Yeah, and I feel like this film had to have been like the favorite, even though it didn't win all of those. You know what I mean? I think I think it was the same year as All About Eve. Yeah, um, it was. Which okay, which was I know it swept a few categories. I know I think mm-hmm. Betty Davis won for best actress and it best supporting actor, maybe. Um, you know, which I'm not. I, I, I personally, I don't think All About Eve is a better film than Sunset Boulevard, but I can see why it was successful. You know, it's not one of those yeah. things where it's like, what were they thinking? You know, it was a very strong year, yeah. um, and I think it's it's probably the same with Hitchcock. I know that Wilder had a bit more look at the Oscars, but it it's kind of highbrow for the masses in a mm-hmm. way. Yeah, you know, it's not pandering to us, but it's also it's very accessible as a movie yeah. you know where all about eve is a bit more fast talking and like the characters are very sophisticated and you know where this is like a gumshoe you know this is you know a, a regular joe yeah so um, pro i can tell why the academy didn't go for it but it should have won everything i mean yeah. the fact that norma desmond i mean glorious ones and there i go again <laughs> glorious ones didn't win best actress for this is a travesty yeah yeah she definitely deserved it i mean she was yeah like you said it's one of the all-time great characters yeah it Um, is Mm -hmm. but just to do a quick little run through i'm I'm gonna read through my some of my notes here and just point out a few things that i really loved about this movie most of them are just like quick little jokes but um 
uh, in the beginning, the producer's reason for not loaning Joe the money, where he's just like, well, I had to take a loan on this. And then, <laughs> yeah, uh, was great. Um, some of these I already mentioned, but you know, there's a great line. I, I am big. It's the pictures that got small. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Max on the organ. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a great like you feel it. it you think that it's, uh, you know, just the soundtrack of the film, but then he goes inside and Max is just in there. Yeah, playing Newman away. away. <laughs> um, amazing. Uh, when um, Norma stand when they're watching the film and she stands up. And the projector, the lighting from the projector is like hitting her face is such a great moment yeah. and shot. Um, let's see. I love the way in that scene just before she does that, like her hand like slithers around his arm mm, and it's yeah. so talon like. I don't know, she's so serpent like in the yeah. first mm-hmm. like half of this film, you know. Even her nostrils kind of look snake-like. You know, it's it's weird to say, yeah. but she's very, like, coiled and just like, you know, I don't know. She slithers. It's, yeah. it's bizarre. Yeah. You know, it's such an interesting way to do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, the, also with the scene where she's, like, laying. The, it's, like, after the ball, and she's, like, laying there on the... Um, couch i guess and yeah. she has like the cigarette the cigarette holder thing holder. which i've never mm-hmm. seen one of those before yeah and he even mentions it in the narration or whatever but she's like drunk and she's yeah. like acting drunk too yeah and he's like talking about money and she's like what about money i've got a million dollars like yeah <laughs> it's just like <laughs> one of the best lines uh and and i don't know it's just I mean, obviously it's all about her performance, but that it's just like the way that she says that is is great. Um and then when he goes to the when Joe goes to the party and his friend this just stood out to me, but his friend it, he I guess maybe they couldn't say Jesus H. Christ. So he's like <laughs> he's like Judas H. Priest. <laughs> um Do you know when he shows up at that party and there's the there's like three or four people around the piano singing. It's the song Buttons and Bows. Um, yeah. Which I only know really from Frasier. But um, when I was doing some research, it it turns out that they had won, uh, maybe not the Oscar, but some award for that song like the year before. So it was like for for being in a particular film. So it was like a very, it was like one of, you know, their friends are real people. Uh, that are working in the industry. It's like yeah. another one of those little things that are like just thrown in, you know, and you, again, you wouldn't even think about it as a viewer today. Yeah, exactly. But seeing it yeah. in 1950 would have been like, hey, I know this song. That, yeah. that one best song last year, you know, or whatever. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's what makes this film so great, I think, is that you can watch it and it's not exactly a fairy tale. No. Yeah. You know, it, it's got, so many layers of realism in there. Yeah. Um, which I think is great. And uh, I love the moment we were talking about it earlier when she's, um, you know, being, sur- well, right before she's surrounded by all of the, the people, she goes and sits down in the studio. <laughs> and the first thing that happens is like a microphone like <laughs> yeah, comes into the yeah. frame. 
Yeah. <laughs> just to be like that extra layer of like pettiness or whatever. Yeah. Just like get this out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know in that scene if this is what we're supposed to get from it. But when she sees, I think his name's Hogeye. And he's the yeah. guy that's like up in the rafters and she's like, hello, hog eye. And it's like obvious that she cannot remember for the life of him who this guy is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just the, just the way that she just repeats it back. Uh-huh. I always find that really funny and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to, but. It, <laughs> I mean, probably, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also love that moment when he's sitting in, in the room uh, waiting to like sneak out. And yeah. she's like, he's like, I haven't been doing anything, you know? And she's like, of course you haven't. I won't let you. And she's like pulling on his hair. And then she like walks out the door. And then there's like eyes on the door handles. Yeah. And then they just like <laughs> blink off. Yeah. It's so <laughs> creepy and cool. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then I was also just thinking about like the differences between Betty and Norma. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, he he like falls in love with Betty, who's this younger woman or whatever. Yeah. But then like her whole story of like, I was, you know, I Hollywood's been in my family for two generations and, yeah. you know, they wanted me to be an actress and yada, yada, yada. And she's like, doesn't want to be an actress anymore. She wants to be behind the camera. Yeah. Um, it's just like a perfect contrast you know, between yeah. Betty and Norma, you know, because she yeah. doesn't want anything to do with being in front of the camera. And I think it's also about, you know, because Wilder did write all his films, it's about being a writer as well. I mean, Norma tells him that he's brilliant all the time and that, you know, what he's doing is right. Whereas Betty's the one that's like, no, you need to push yourself. Like, this is not good. But there's yeah. something in there that you can accomplish, you know. So of course he falls in love with her because she's the one that's pushing him, that's making him yeah, and making him a better writer too. Yeah, apparently. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Based on uh, everything we know about this guy, is he's never written anything good. <laughs> yeah. I love his, I love his thing for bases loaded, and the guy's like, "Let me guess, he needs to throw," it. and he's like, "Yeah, you're right, but I've got a great twist at the end." And it's like, no, you haven't. It's going to be yeah. exactly the same as every other baseball movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I do have a question about the ending of this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before Joe is shot, yes, he had he has Betty come over. Yes, and he shows her all the pictures of Norma and yeah, whatever, and um, basically makes. Betty feel terrible and kicks her out. Yeah. And, and he's like, go back to your fiance. Yeah. Um, was that all a front? Cause we never really find out. Like I, I thought maybe that was just that he, at first it seemed like he was just doing that to please Norma so that he could escape yeah. one more time and then never come back. I always read it as he is, he's showing her his dirty secret. You know, he's kind of being like, this is what this is why I've been acting so weird is because I've been in this relationship with this older woman for the past you know however long the film six months however long it is yeah and he's like I think that if he kind of shows somebody it he'll be free he'll be able to because he's not keeping it a secret anymore it's not like this this big thing so that's why he immediately I think walks out because he's like I've done it like people know what's been happening you know, they yeah. know the real me. 
Because I think it's like, it's guilt. He's ashamed that he's been doing it. You know, he's basically yeah. been, you know, selling himself for money. Yeah. So I think that part of it is like, I'm free now. You know, I'm, I've, you know, I've exercised my demons. I've confessed to what I've been doing. Yeah. Um, But then he gets shot like three times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love the fact that he gets shot in the back, stumbles, but then just walks straighter. He just uh-huh. takes straight up like, no, oh. I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm <laughs> leaving this place. <laughs> yeah, she she shoots him and he like stands up like, oh, finally got that thing out. My, that little <laughs> yeah. crick in my back. Clips his heels <laughs> and carries on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and then and then obviously you get the final scene of yeah. Gloria Swanson coming down the stairs, which apparently when Gloria Swanson finished the scene, um, she burst into tears, and the mm. crew applauded, even though it wasn't the last scene filmed. Billy Wilder threw a party for her as soon as the shot was finished. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, it she... had to have been surreal for her to be like this huge silent film star and then yeah. to do this film that allows her to really show what she can do as an actress. And yeah. then that, that moment of her walking down the stairs has so many layers of character in it yeah. that, you know, she knew that was her, her moment. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that Max is directing her as well is just heartbreaking. Yeah. You know, this yeah. guy that's been with her through the whole thing. And she, I mean, she doesn't love him anymore, but she's using him, you know, for companionship and everything. It's just, yeah, it's such a beautiful touch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Eric von Stroheim did try and throw some things in to get filmed. So the whole thing of him writing the fan mail was his idea, um, which they really loved and kind of ran with. Um, he had another suggestion that <laughs> Billy Wilder didn't add of having a scene with him washing her like undergarments. Um, <laughs> and Wilder was like, we don't need that. We know that you're obsessed with her because you're working as a butler. We don't need to see you fondle her undergarments, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, oh man, I love Eric Von Strahan. I think he's just, I think he's so good in this. So reserved and just like, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I everybody mean, is. The, the three yeah, exactly. leads yeah. are just incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the four of them all got nominated. Yeah. Which is just, you know. Yeah. If like your four mains are all nominated, there's got to be something you to did it. did something right. Yeah. 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 Well, um, well, I think uh, I think we've said yeah all we can say. Now we're just going to be silent. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any more tidbits I can share, but I think that's all of it. Yeah, there's probably so much more, but yeah, yeah, I'm sure this this is yeah. like an incredibly layered film. Yeah. But if you think of anything, leave a comment on our uh, in the comment section on our YouTube channel of this uh, this episode. And we'll give you a reply. We'll let you know which, what we think. Yeah. Your comments and thoughts. Um, I think we should... Well, I already know what you've rated this film. Yeah. Because 
you had seen it before and I saw yeah. your letterboxed <laughs> rating. Yeah. So I know you rated it five out of five. Mm-hmm. It's time to guess what I rated this film. Say I'm torn because I think that I think I think it's five. I'm just gonna go with five. <laughs> I'm gonna let my heart roll. Um I think it's a four. Okay, cool. Um I think it's gonna take a few more watches. I it's like I'm you know, I love film, obviously. Yeah. I've got a film podcast with Lewis. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh I'm not as deeply into the silent era as yeah. you are. You know yeah. what I mean? I think eventually this will be a five. You know, this yeah. will be something I watch a few more times and, and um as well as the apartment and probably any other wilder film I see. But uh yeah, I'm not I'm not quite there yet, I think. Yeah. You know? I think for me it's it's one of the you know, there's a few films I feel like this. But it's one of those films that when I watch it, I'm just like, I am just so happy that this film was made when it was. Yeah. You know, that I've that I get this film to watch whenever I want. Yeah. Um and I think that only, you know, it just shows for me just how personal it is. You know, I just yeah, it's uh it's everything I could want from Hollywood looking at itself. Mm-hmm. And it's directed by one of my favorite directors. It's just yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Awesome. 100 out of 5. <laughs> cool. Well, do you know what we're watching next week? I don't, but my good friend Andy does. Um Andy and Sweet. I worked together at Universal Studios in 2012. So coming up on our 10-year anniversary as friends, or well, we are nearly over. Oh dear. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next year's 2023. Um, yeah, Andy and I have been friends for a really long time. Um, he is a big film fan, just like us. Um, and I love talking to him about films that we've been watching. And he just has the greatest insights. So I'm super excited for him to join us next week. Um, and I'm going to hand it over to him to tell us what we're going to be watching. All right. Thanks, guys. I am super excited to be joining you both next week. Um, Lewis, it's been about 3,782 days since we're friends. I know that you're not counting, um, but I am. Um, so it's nice to know that we have a, a very strong and healthy friendship. Um, in keeping with the idea of loving film and loving movies, I've chosen the 1999 documentary American Movie about a man and his friends who tried to create a short film that he is very, very passionate about. Really looking forward to joining you guys and, and talking about it more. Awesome. Can't Sweet. wait. Sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this is a film that I've tried to watch a few times and I picked times that I was too sleepy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that it was a bad movie. I just poor timing on my part. Yeah. So I'm excited that I'm actually going to watch this and discuss it. Me too. It's going to be a good one. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show, everybody. Um, You, of course, can find us in the meantime on our social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and YouTube, uh, at Film Church Radio. You can also find us on Letterboxd, which is a social media app for film lovers to log the films they've been watching and write reviews and rate movies. 
add things to their watch list. Uh, you can find Lewis at Walker Lewis 3007 and I am at Selman Scope. Um, yeah, it's a great app. I would suggest people getting on it. You can, if you're wondering what movies we have seen or if we've seen a certain movie, you can, uh, once you add us as a follow, you can search for that film and see if we've seen it or not. Um, and usually Lewis and I are pretty good at rating things so you can see what we rated it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Give us a shout. We'd love to hear from you. Welcome to the congregation if this is your first time. We'll see you next week, everybody. I just have one thing left to say. Wait a minute. I haven't seen you before. I know your face. Get out. Or shall I call my servant? You're L.A. Walker. You used to be in silent pictures. You used to be big. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. Amen. Amen. We'll see y'all next week in color with our faces and voices. That's right. I'm ready. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. (laughs) All right. Bye, y'all. Bye.